0: Oh, Tom Hardy, you have very lovely lips. Hey, it's the Shootin' the Sheep podcast.
1: I'm Jay, and this is the podcast all about Tom Hardy's lips and what we would do with them if we had a day in the sun.
0: No, actually, I think we should remember to say our pronouns after we say our names.
1: Jay, he, him. Miles, he, him.
0: Uh, Jay, she, they. I also forgot I was gonna start trying to use my voice, uh, that, or like just do voice training now, but I forgot, so fuck me, I guess. Everyone will know that I have secretly the most masculine, velvety (laughs) voice.
1: And right, yeah, let's. uh... A couple of awkward, mumbly dorks talk about tabletop RPGs and fail to stay on topic. No, I thought we were all. I thought we were all a bunch
2: of Patrick Warburtons now.
1: Hey, (laughs) you playing that Dungeons and Dragons? I'm Patrick Warburton. Hey, Bader. You know,
0: yeah. alright. You know, Jay, before uh, the podcast, I was asking if you thought that maybe we should try to create a more uh, pithy intro. I don't think we succeeded this week.
1: I used a little bit of the words that we planned earlier. You did, I mean, but
0: I... next time I guess I should just let you... Like, I'm going to give you, like, a little babysitter. I... I... Baby I mean, I,
2: th- I think we're li- we're being a little pithy.
0: Ooh, should we should we discuss how pithy we are for ten minutes?
1: Uh, dude, they call me, uh, Colonel Livingston, because I'm pithy like a helm. Y'all know what's up. Jodpers um, <laughs> um, I gotta real... go shoot Robin Williams in Jumanji I'll be right back
0: Oh, okay, bye
1: uh, Real talk. no, come back Re- uh, Real talk though, Jay, do you
2: want us to You know, redo the intro And do a new one uh, With you I'm fine,
0: I, I, okay. I honestly am I mean, first of all I'm not ashamed of who I am What I'm going through Actually, that's a lie, I'm oftentimes ashamed I'm ashamed of who I am, except When it comes to Being a queer person And, like, the journey that being a queer person always is. I will hate myself because I had Chipotle. Um, and I bothered my boyfriend for a moment.
1: But... People at the drop of the hat, as soon as difficult... As soon as uh, dinner becomes complicated, it's like, let's have Chipotle.
0: Actually, that was, um, our roomie that suggested that this Ah, time. Ah, well. So... He called me upstairs. And this is a boring conversation to anyone who's not us.
2: Look, But no, I don't mind. It's it's, okay. Thank you for, uh... I don't know. I'm sorry. All right. Yeah. Um, Hating yourself, so- except for the parts of you that are queer, because as 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 everybody knows, you know, being being queer is the only thing that defines anybody who <laughs> falls anywhere in the in this broad spectrum of LGBTQ. Everyone sort of is just the exact same.
0: Yeah, Miles. What sort of tabletop stuff are we talking about?
2: Um. This week, we're gonna do a little bit of a focus down on a particular system. We're gonna talk a lot about Ryutama this week. Um, and which, if anyone's listened to the podcast, we've never mentioned... I've never
0: mentioned it at all before.
2: Mm-hmm. We, we definitely after... haven't mentioned a so-far-failed project to have a... Uh, to have multiple recorded episodes of Ryutama.
0: Yeah, you know what? It, it happens... Either way, I'm I'm excited. We're gonna I'll record this weekend and we'll see where we go with that. Yep. Um I'm excited for that when it happens, but yeah, a big focus on Ryutama is it's gonna be nice. We actually have a, a an outline we both looked at before the podcast. They said both because Jay's here too.
2: Oh, I thought you were referring to me as the other part of that both and like no, casting. sure
0: sorry, and sorry. Jay. No, I was. I, I guess I wow, well, this joke flopped I should go back to not liking myself again.
1: Nope. All right. Uh, we're going to keep on moving. Um, <laughs> Did we? Is, is there news and stuff? Is there a notable controversy that we have to... Oh, wow. Yeah, there,
2: there sure is. There sure is. And as per yes. usual, the controversy involves critical role.
1: We are being canceled for not thinking Vox Machina was epic random. <laughs>
0: no, no. I mean, I will say before we get into the real one, I saw an article... That said that the Critical Role cartoon is a great way to, like, learn about, like, uh, I I don't remember what the full article said because I was like, oh, God, this makes me grossed out. But it's basically, this is a great way to understand what Dungeons & Dragons is. I was like, oh, no.
2: No, it ain't. No, it's really fucking not. That's like looking at Harmon Quest and saying, oh, this is a great example of learning about D&D. It's like, okay, well, one, they play Pathfinder, but two, also, No. This, this has so much more production put into it than any D&D game.
0: No, no, But, they, even, they, but, they, even, no, but they, even then,
1: they're doing roles. No,
0: they meant the cartoon. I know. The cartoon. I know. The, yeah,
1: because the Vox Machina doesn't have anything to tell people about Dungeons & Dragons except for the sort of, like, in-group narrative cliches.
0: Ugh, oh, and kind of starting off as murder hobos-
1: And they mention murder hobos, and they're like, oh, sex bard, and cool rogue.
0: Um, and I mean, I say that as someone who, over the weekend, we watched a lot more of it, and it grew on us. But I still.
2: I I only watch wholesome cartoons, like Hunter Hunter.
0: (laughs) Does it not have a man made out of grapes?
1: Uh. No. No? But Hunter Hunter is like. No, but it does have a fight sexual clown. It's like one of everything not keep track of anything that that shit was about
0: oh hunter hunter i was thinking and making it up with my hero academia if you I might
1: if it might clear it up it's actually pronounced hunter x hunter no it's it's oh, pronounced like, uh, like hun- it, it's pronounced
2: hunter, x hunter
1: hunter 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 yeah helter X skelter wait yeah you know, with with it be
2: hunter with gone and, 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 and killa okay kalua
0: uh, i i think dallied around enough um okay so there was an article that came out on um tuesday on kotaku and it is called the problem with critical roles latest campaign oh boy i'm trying to think of the best way of summarizing it in a way that uh it basically i guess it's that critical role a cast of pri of not primarily of the main cast is exclusively white actors they're new set um is it pronounced marquette? I, I don't think know. So. I've actually not watched any of season 3 yet.
2: Um
1: but uh, it is
0: based off of southwest Asian and North African cultures and they worked with some sensitivity consultants, but at the same time it's that's still a, That's a little
1: bit of a good sign. They at least got some consultants. I mean, I <sighs> guess I would have liked to have heard cultural consultants.
2: Yes, but they've also been forced to do that in the past after making a ton of mistakes. So this also isn't, like, starting fresh and being like, okay, well, we definitely need to do it right this time. It's like, all right, let's... It, it, it feels a little bit like, all right, well, let's cover our asses.
0: Um, and regardless, I guess it's... You know, at the end of the day, I... Okay. Um, the main reason I think we're even talking about the article is because uh, any article that's even remotely critical of...
1: Critical Role. Critical
0: Role is met with a lot of hatred. And this one, honestly, I think the most telling thing of this is that, and they raised a good point of a hypothetical, is that a lot of the critical role settings have become, well, actually, like two of the major ones, the two major ones have both become official setting books for 5E. And so it's incredibly likely that Marquette will become a setting book. And because of critical role's popularity, this setting that was made by white people with consultants asterisk um will become the de facto setting for people wanting to play in like a southwest asian or north african
2: um yeah setting sorry yeah and there's the added bit of like there's the added concern promoted by the fact that in their promotional materials and in their like you know, approach to this season of Critical Role, they are essentially acting as, you know, 19th century, 20th century explorers, discovering new things and coming in as, you know, archaeologists. They're they're coming in and there's a whole narrative of, like, retrieving things for museums. It's like, cool. So you're trying to say that this isn't going to be appropriative, but you are literally acting as workers for a museum. You're you're trying to be Indiana Jones, essentially, who is the world's worst archaeologist.
1: Yeah, this truly is a fraught field to walk. And, I'm, I'm
0: not saying that the critical role, cast, and crew are bad people. They are generally very wholesome. They're not perfect. They are a brand and blah, 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 blah. But, and I'm not saying that they can't make mistakes. Again, my big thing is, of course, this person brought up the abuse that people of color get when they bring up stuff like this, and
2: and lo and behold, well,
0: yeah, the article at the article at best is something you could just say, I don't think it's that big of a problem,
1: but it, it's been met with a lot of just you don't even have to think about it yet. It's like, oh, they're doing this. That might be a problem in the future, and the discourse is already you know, swept up a lot of turmoil. Yeah. And well, because the discourse Like so much barefoot on dirty hardwood.
2: How dare they suggest that, you know, maybe a bunch of white people shouldn't become the the ones telling a story about and profiting off of something that is very definitively meant to emulate POC cultures.
0: Again, that's that's the thing. It's it's the profiting that If you at your table want to explore those and you are a group of primarily white players, that's fine. Just maybe don't sell your story because, I don't know, uh, I feel like even at this point I'm getting into some more controversial territory than I'm prepared to handle. But people can do what they want in the comfort of their own home.
1: But what the critical role is veering into is taking these, like, you know, the fraught landscape of, like, let's try to do the culture that I'm not actually familiar with or immersed in and then putting it on TV for a lot of money
2: yeah and like okay yeah you're working with sensitivity consultants that can be good but working with and listening to is another big gulf we also, know that sensitivity they hire consultants
1: them. is like that's got very uh, human resources vibes to me that's mm-hmm. more like a public image consultant I'd imagine.
2: Often, yes. Um, There was a sensitivity council that got created at my last job because, you know, there was a very large outcry from staff about how, you know, employees of color are treated and how schools with a predominantly POC population are treated relative to the uh, predominantly white schools. and my employer's, well, former employer's solution was to create a, uh, a, like, committee to make sure they're, you know, doing things the right way and maybe providing more, more grants to allow, uh, lower income, frequently POC schools to come to our program. However, all of the people on that committee, because all, uh, were white, because all of the people in management positions were white, and they didn't want to hire new people to do this. They just wanted to tack more responsibilities onto their administrators who already don't know what the fuck they're doing.
1: It strikes as a legal ass covering. Yeah.
0: You know, and I don't like putting judgments about whether they are or aren't doing that. I just again, the fact of the matter is, is white people doing something that profits off of people of color stories, in the comfort of your own home, it is fine to experiment and play with things like this. Um, but just don't try profiting off of them. Yeah. Um,
1: um, you know, what would the, be really the... funny is if like they introduced some sort of like mythological monster and like turn to the camera and we're like, this monster is inspired by like this, uh, mythological text, uh, from this country. If you'd like to know more about this country, here's, uh, here's some information on how, uh, the United States CIA uh, destroyed it.
0: You, you know what this uh, controversy kind of reminds me of? And no, the only reason this is a controversy now is not because of the article. It's because of the response to the article. Um, but uh, it reminds me a bit of, like, how Critical Role it is reminding me, sorry, of Travis McElroy and how I heard and remember him handling non-binary characters in Season 2 of The Adventure Zone uh, with only the non-binary characters giving their pronouns uh when other character when meeting other characters didn't hmm. get that from most characters but if they were non-binary they were sure to be like they
1: them am i remembering right that it was very uh cinnamon rolly too does that make sense
2: um wait that wasn't he didn't run season two he ran season three. Oh, oh you're right i'm um, sorry i it, uh so i meant of uh, yeah. So the thing, the thing with that, um, the only instance I can specifically remember of that was, uh, with a character specifically based off of a, uh, specifically based off of, I forget if it was a listener or a friend, um, but in the initial recording, he had misgendered them, uh, because mm-hmm. it, and, and then he later corrected that. Uh, that adjustment And like made a point of saying Hey, I messed up This person's pronouns are actually they, them mm-hmm. That's the only instance I specifically remember of that And you know, if there were further instances uh, It Very well could have just been You know, overcorrecting Would be my assumption But also, I don't know um, A bit of new Before we Continue with that though. A bit of nuance that I do want to point out when people are criticizing Critical Role, oftentimes they're not criticizing the cast of Critical Role. Like, sure, some things that the cast say and do can be ignorant or occasionally shitty, and usually it's coming from a place of ignorance, not a place of malice. Um, But things like this, this is not a criticism of the cast of Critical Role this is a criticism of the business side of Critical Role, because Critical Role is a company at this point. It is a brand, it is a company, and you know, we're not saying that like, oh yeah, Travis Willingham is a shit person for engaging with this story, and you know, Laura Bailey should leave it, or whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's like, no. This is something that should have been caught because this is a company doing this. They should have a better system in place for this um it's not just about white people telling a story it's about a white company profiting off of it with a white-led narrative designer and white-led creative team um Mm -hmm. but yeah i I wanted to add that bit of nuance to it even though i feel like you know the people i know of in our audience and the people we talk to in our audience in our audience are also smart enough to recognize nuance in things and probably aren't going to get mad at us for saying anything negative ever about Critical Role.
0: And honestly, I... It's such a big topic that it's kind of hard for me to narrow down all of my thoughts just for right now, like right for the podcast.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is also something that we're not, like, incredibly, uh... It's also something that we're not incredibly suited to the addressing of all we can do is listen to what people who are more directly impacted by it and better better educated on it say and that's that's the perspective that this article was written from so we'd be doing a disservice to those groups to not at least entertain this idea
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree.
2: Um, I did not get any other news. Did you, Miles? Uh, no, I have no other news to talk about or really mention. Um, should we get some guys or do we want to do, uh, do we want to do something else? Do we want to try and expand that, uh, expand that segment? I know we had a different version of that segment many episodes ago and I've already forgotten what it was
1: oh we had uh the worst jerry we had oh the ideas. worst
2: jerry okay do we want to do a worst jerry or or give me a guy
1: i mean i have a guy
2: okay then i mean
0: i guess just do give me a guy
1: all right okay give me a give me a ranger that is the uh rival villain man in a skiing movie
2: Ooh. Okay. Well, his name is, is like, obviously he's, he's
1: a rich he's a rich jerk ski guy.
2: His name is obviously Trent, um, one hundred percent. Okay,
1: I was thinking you either have to be
0: Brody or something like Trent. Yeah, no, that yeah, makes Trent
2: sense. or Trent or Brody. Um, no,
0: I like Trent. Um,
2: let's see.
1: Oh,
0: he's tall, blonde,
2: mm-hmm.
1: looks very all American. Oh, fucking <laughs> Bradley upper crust.
2: I mean, yeah. Uh, let's see. He does not have a favored terrain. Doesn't no, have one. But he
0: um I don't know what his background would be uh because I don't have a list of backgrounds in 5E on me at all times surprisingly. But he does have the skill performance as a ability that he uses for playing the guitar to make everyone love him.
2: I mean, okay, I if, you wanna I I if you want to go backgrounds, if you want to go backgrounds, this... he could be uh I'm going to say he could be athlete uh, bu- 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 bu. Let's see, he could be athlete, inheritor. You know what? Yeah, no, he's inheritor. He's an inheritor. inheritor. Yep. Uh, 100%. I mean, I guess athlete, inheritor, noble. Uh, but inheritor is. Inheritor is the best one.
0: And were you disagreeing with my guitar thing?
1: Yeah, I think that's a little bit too sensitive and introspective for this type of guy. Yeah, no. Introspective and sensitive. I disagree. No. We literally he... watched a movie where the
0: jock character then the skiing movie played the guitar.
2: No, better, he off better
1: off dead.
0: Yeah.
2: This this man is absolutely the kind of person who would see see someone playing the guitar at the like lodge party. And, you know, that person's supposed to be our sensitive boy, uh, love interest. He would absolutely be the one to like throw a snowball at his guitar or like ask to ask to borrow it and then like toss it in the fire pit or just
1: or like just snaps the next like oops
0: see it's interesting and i can't disagree with this characterization but to me i don't see the guitar as actually being really sensitive it's what faux sensitive people want to do to make women think they're sensitive but
2: yes but, it, but isn't still, this an 80s teen a guitar movie
1: guitar is not a ski lodge type of instrument it, I don't know what it is, true. but like a guitar is for a beach, you know. The, yeah, that's fair.
2: This is also an '80s teen movie, right? So our like soft boy protagonist, uh, or our soft boy like relief character, would absolutely play the guitar, or he would be a poet. But um, he's not.
1: But he's not the character we're making. And this no. guy doesn't even specifically have to like be much of a bully, specifically to mm. any one guy or anybody at all. He might just be a snob in the way that this type is.
0: See, I, okay. I hate that my primary source of reference for all these is the movie Better Off Dead, where I'm, I think it, it was either just incredibly weird just because it could be, or it was a parody of all the other um, teen movies at the time, because the main boy was sensitive, except for he was also obsessive and suicidal. Yeah. Um, but he did play an instrument, Good but team. it wasn't the guitar. That was what the cool guy played. He played the saxophone. Poorly.
2: <laughs> um, Um okay thinking but, about thinking okay. about subclass thinking about subclass oh 100 this guy is uh human by the way but um yeah oh yeah thinking about subclasses I'm genuinely unsure
0: can, of- can he be a swarm keeper in the swarm even though it makes a logical sense as to why they would function this way but it's just his groupies
2: love it love it
1: yeah gals snow bunnies
2: um they're they're his they're his faceless minions that you know <laughs> help him help him you know put like just like sandpaper down the other people's skis and snowboards i don't know what you would do to ruin them i guess sand off the 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 coating and the wax i don't know um or just break them i guess but you know you you can't just break them before the big the big race capital b capital r the big race uh,
0: would, would he also be a melee one? I don't know. I'm, I don't even
2: know
1: what his weapons could be. Like, yes, absolutely. Like, yeah. They're like tonfa that are the ski poles. I mean, He's... No. just like mini like no. skinny maces.
2: I mean, I'm gonna take... I'm gonna take a little bit more from modern douche characters. Uh, but he... This man was on the wrestling team. This man's on his college wrestling team.
1: Oh. Wrestling or and lacrosse. Also,
0: sorry, I like that. Lacrosse. I also add... You can use a ski thing as a rapier.
1: Oh, that that makes a lot more sense. It's
0: a blunt rapier. I, oh, uh, but I he should know, also maybe, wrestle.
2: Yeah, he should wrestle. Maybe, maybe give him maybe give him a sling and it's a lacrosse stick.
1: <laughs> we're going into different we are, types of douchebags now.
2: We are. We're we're turning him instead of being like a crystallized douchebag, he's gaining like extra extra spars and you know sure those are great for you know people to grip onto and help provide lift on the elements home planet but that's a different podcast
1: <laughs> these you've added t- you guys have added two more sports mm-hmm. to what he does his athleticism is on the slopes dude he's got to be on the slopes okay
2: yeah he's got to be on the slopes he's he's a skier snowboarder Uh He's got vehicle and proficiency and also got and snow, mad charisma.
1: Beers.
0: Not likability, but just charisma. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, that's the thing. He's a
2: he's he's what? got a magnetic personality. Most of that magnetism is daddy's money, but still.
0: Uh, Miles, you got a do you got a guy for me?
2: I do have a guy. Um so, oh. Give me a guy. Give me a Rock'em Sockem Robot Warforged.
1: Oh, oh here okay. we go. So,
0: um okay. I forget. Are there any monks in 5e that are more obviously boxing or just like less martial arts based or I forgot, do we find do we have a good fighter subclass now that is actually for um grappling and punching?
2: Uh so there's the unarmed fighting style um which there's, is y- which is pretty good. About- um yeah. and monks, I mean way of the open hand.
0: I think it's a fighter with the unarmed fighting style. I don't think a Rock'em Sock'em robot is a monk, especially because they're too stationary. They they don't, they're not going to be doing the
2: dips and dives Maybe that this monks is a do. is
1: paladin. Is there a fist paladin?
2: Um, you know, not explicitly.
0: It's, it's a ranger. No, it's not a ranger.
1: Um, so, we've gotten boxing robots so far, but how is Rock'em Sock'em specifically? apply to this. Like, what sort of bonuses does he get for uh, unarmed attacks that are specifically uppercuts? Um, oh, a paladin could... Sh- Paladins do get
2: a fighting style, by the way, so they could theoretically take the unarmed fighting style.
0: But what would their uh, deity be, then? Is it the ring?
1: Uh, the almighty block.
0: The blockchain?
1: Yes. Knocked off in the great uh, war of the celestial uh, uh, sockers the block was knocked clean into the heavens and where it remains to this day. And we one day hope to die in glorious battle with our blocks being knocked to meet his in the heavens. The... Right?
2: The almighty yeah. Mattel.
0: <laughs> oh. oh, gosh. You know what? I, I feel like they would have to get um, an item and normally don't want to talk about like what kind of items they get unless it's weapons but i I'd, I'd want them to get what were those like stomping boots called we were, when we were kids you know I like mean, the moon boots moon boots was that them the romper stompers
2: stomp, romper stompers
0: romper stompers what the fuck are romper stompers romper stompers no but th- this warforge is-, is going to get a romper stomper um to do- do-, do do um show and jay a thing because he can't stop playing um mahjong.
1: Yeah, Jade, these are no. these are romper stompers. Old lady Ming Wei, they're fu- she's fucking with me. She's going to
0: But yeah, he's going to get some romper stomper. Well, those are bucket stilts. Those
1: Okay, those look like what? shit. Look at the ones that Miles was finding.
2: I mean, bucket stilts are just the new yeah. name of romper stompers.
1: Yeah. It's just a bucket with a string. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's what the
0: that's what the, the guy's going to get. It adds an extra foot of height to your character. Um, foot, but is, also foot does... is generous <laughs> yeah okay maybe an, an extra, extra foot, foot height, of height. Of,
2: an extra foot height of height
0: <laughs> and it all but it, it, its downside is it causes disadvantage on all at, like agility based rolls it, it's really not a good item but if you really want I mean half a foot more of height I mean no, realistically
1: I, a... I have no idea what we're talking about <laughs>
0: well i guess the other option is to get uh was it skip it um but maybe i think you're adding a maybe, lot of
1: toys to this yeah and yes. his hands have got sock and boppers and uh well that's the weapon yeah opens up his chest and there's creepy crawlies <laughs> why are these
0: toys all boy toys why can't there be some sky dancers what, what do you
1: think look at me what do you think i was marketed to one of his Oh look
0: at me, what do you think I was marketed to? Yeah. One
1: one of his uh one of his
2: arms is just replaced by the game elephant It's a cannon. Oh Jesus Christ, <laughs> this is
1: getting insane.
0: Okay, you know what, in the spirit of this, how would we make a character that is based off of like old, outdated Nintendo peripherals? Like the um First off their
1: weapon is a nunchuck.
0: I was gonna say the Easy. power glove
1: okay I was gonna
0: say like like that's the main thing is they use the power glove cause it's so bad um
1: wait I'm... one more as we were talking about elephant here's an entry for the worst Jerry it's like a fey blue elephant that uh spews <laughs> that just uh yeah spews butterflies out of its trunk like as a projectile evil butterflies <laughs> wow that flopped really hard I yep. guess well that's Sorry. A... <laughs> fuck me
0: uh am I still there
1: yeah i'm still here okay <laughs> um what, what was her next guy did we have a next guy
0: yeah i was giving it to you okay well it was a character who's based in t- like powers are entirely based off old outdated nintendo peripherals like the uh virtual boy power glove honestly i i think that they should be a ranger again or some sort of character that gets a familiar because i think that their familiar should be rob the robot he's called
1: turbo kid And
0: he's, you know what? He should be a wizard because of the whiz. I, I can't Hmm. believe. I'm, I'm actually leaning towards
1: like the wizard and they're like, but you're not a wizard. And he's like, no, that's just what they call me. Sorry, Maz. What did you say?
2: I'm leaning a little bit more towards actually maybe some kind of like rogue fighter multi-class fighting Mm -hmm. because I kind of want them to take the, the throne weapon fighting style. And just like throw Hanafuda cards.
1: No, that's too deep a cut. I don't think people are gonna get that.
0: Uh, okay, how about throw e-read wait. Um
1: Oh, he throws e-reader cards yeah. like gambit. Oh. Um I don't know, what else? How many link cables? That, okay. and, Game Boy camera. Yeah, how
0: many link cables and like um the the Game Boy Advance adapters for the GameCube would he have as like whips? Or just rope?
2: smashes people over the head with the extended battery pack for the original Game Boy.
1: You find him splicing on <laughs> oh, a gosh. Game Shark, and you're like, no, you can't do this. Did
2: anyone
0: here have an original Sacritage. Game Boy, or just, like, ever play with one before?
1: Yes, no, I, bricks, I have
2: one in my and drawer, and of, like, no. six feet away.
0: I, I knew you might. I, I actually I only started with the Game Boy Pocket, so, but my one friend had one. I mean, to be fair, my friend also
2: had a Game Gear. Oh, Ooh. boy. Um... No, I, I've got, I've got the, I've got the original Game Boy. It's not the one that I had. Um, I picked it up later at a vintage electronics store. I started on the Game Boy Color, um, but I do still have my original Game Boy Advance SP. That's the, that's the oldest electro, or that's the oldest, uh, you know, console I still have that was mm. mine specifically. Uh, though I do still have our old nintendo and super nintendo back at my mom's house
0: mm-hmm. you know I, I actually don't have a nintendo but i do have a rob the robot because at my old job uh we got a rob but it was like missing so many of the pieces that they were like yeah we can only really sell this for 13 bucks i was like no don't bother putting that out you said 13 dollars for a rob the robot that i never use anyways yes i will purchase this this is mine now that's fair. And it's still oh, here you know what? Very day. Our virtual
1: boy. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's our a virtual good boy oh, is Overseeing this very podcast with its dead little arms. Our
2: virtual boy is still at my mom's house too. The stand broke <laughs> on it, so we'd have to like hold it or be in like a special position. But you know, honestly, I could probably just like attach a attach a head strap to it and continue
1: to use it just fine. Can you do Beat Saber on the virtual boy? Can you go to Meta? Be- can you be in the meta? Better, you can play can, Mario Tennis.
2: Can I do? Can I play a virtual desk game and have my eye movement and head movement and my productivity actively tracked by my employer when they access the data for my session in the game? That's a mention a, thing. a full
1: three D scan of your bedroom.
0: Gosh, I'm impressed. We we went from a Nintendo conversation uh, to a virtual boy, which makes sense. To now, we were in the metaverse.
2: You know, we're, we're Jay, impressive. Jay, you remember how at the beginning of like the pre-recording conversation, you said that we'd try to stay on topic tonight. And you, and I said, I that'd be absolutely impossible. Yep.
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs> All
2: yeah. right. Uh, so we, we gave some guys. We did it. We did some guys. Um,
0: so um, did we, uh, I-, I was actually going to say, should we maybe add GM Workshop? Maybe. I feel like we might Workshop Ryutama a bit. But if anyone has anything else that they've been working on this week, if you wanted to talk about Unbound a bit, um, or we can do a little GM Workshop now, or we can just get into talking about our Games of the Week.
2: Um, I don't have much to talk about on either front, GM Workshop or Games of the Week. I actually haven't played in anything, aside from the like character-building stuff from this past Sunday. So I'm fine to... Like, I don't have anything to comment on there. Uh, And GM Workshop, I don't really have much to talk about. Like, yeah, I'm working on that one shot. but Or the fun shot episode for Golden Sun. But also, I don't really have much that I can talk about with it that also isn't, you know, spoiling things for the the two of you who are playing it.
1: I have nothing to say about Unbound. I need to read more of it. It seems cool. I have to write a bit of a little bit of a baby campaign. Um, it's going to be about Midwest, uh, deep winter, Great Lakes, Midwest, cyberpunk.
0: Now, what are you going to do when I draw a card and it just says like pigs?
1: There's tons of pigs. Okay. Oh, that's a wild boar attack.
0: Okay. Um, so yeah, one of the things of Unbound is that it's recommended that you make the campaign with your play- or like the players actually help make the world. It- it's, so we will be drawing cards in this session that will give us prompts that we at the table will discuss to add to the world. So we might grab things like, let's say, like Zeppelin, maybe angels. Um,
1: so- I like that in the character creation, because uh, for anyone listening, the way Unbound, like, the way you set up the world and the characters, is just sort of you draw different cards from a deck, and they just give you prompts. And even the in character creation, some decisions about your character are made by the other players, so... That's wild.
0: Uh, To be fair, they are, but you do have to agree to them, though, of course. Uh, But that's because, you know, it's a modern game. It actually does care about consent. Hooray. But it seems like a very fun system. Um, Again, I'm willing to try out anything, and... I mean, cards are just better than dice now, haven't you heard? We're all past dice. Some of us don't try to make dice. But, um... It's all about
1: cards now. I'm playing blackjack. You know, in the DMs.
0: Aside from that, uh, you know, Jay in his sleep the other night, which is like laughing about something and he mentioned the words "frostkeeper," which I, I don't know why, but they they stuck in my head like I had just woken up um, and I was like looking at him as he was laughing and talking about the Frost I was like, I need to work this into something. And so I think uh, for my next but also will be the first uh, one anyone will hear, but my next... um game i want to run for fun shot is probably going to be a loosely castlevania inspired s game through a frozen keep of the frost keeper
1: all of um, the, all of the characters in this game have been uh determined by sleep by dream sleep talking
0: oh no i mean <laughs> yeah it's terrible because Jay mostly just says uh-huh and then uh laughs a lot it's a little creepy
1: but i love him This is weird, I did not know this Of course you wouldn't about yourself, but Mm -hmm. I don't know, dude I Um, I have
2: had full conversations with people in my sleep And it's so frustrating uh, Because I I Don't remember them, because I was asleep for them
1: Uh, My sister's a hoot with it You can argue with my sister in her sleep (laughs)
2: My, bro- my brothers used to mess with me while I was sleeping, like, directly influence my dreams by talking to me while I was still asleep and, like, <laughs> get me to do silly shit. Like, um, like, at one point, trying to convince me, like, alright, you're a Pokemon trainer now, you're in a battle, and just, like, had me calling out my team and, like, throwing a Pokeball while laying in bed, and it, yeah... Damn,
1: speaking of Pokemon, what were your brothers a frickin' drowsy? Getting all up in your secrets? Altering the mind? That's a new form of a big brother hassling.
2: Um, but should we read a horror story?
0: Yes, we should. I am getting it up now as we speak, because my tablet screen went to bed. Because it's emulating my energy. I am... Doing a song now. Here you go,
1: hon. Hi! Pokest. Pokest. Fuck me. Posted on subreddit RPG Horror Stories by user Lucy Morganst Jarna. Saint Jarna? Maybe. Player becomes GM, doesn't read the rules, steals ideas into anime from anime and JRPGs, and railroads to hell and back. I've actually created an account just to tell this story after seeing YouTube videos about this sub. In my group, we play BECMI edition DD. What does that mean?
0: It sounds pretty right
1: Be- Oh, like one of the early versions, like from the early 80s, but quite homebrewed as well to allow uh, player characters to survive a bit more than the books intended. Permadeath at zero. A friend of mine started the group, and he was the only one who played the game before, so all of us new players, of course, wanted a chance at GMing. So we took turns, and the story is about the last one to pick up the mantle. As he is about to start his first session, I tell him to read the Game Master book, which is like 48 pages, half of which are just monster descriptions, then we make sure he remembers our homebrew rules. First session comes up. It's a funhouse dungeon. Solve different weird puzzles in each room. Sometimes there was combat reset all spells and health before each room. A bit uninspired, but we had a good time, all things considered. When it came to a second adventure though, oh, where do I even begin? Before we get to town, we wake up all of a sudden near a cave opening of magical darkness. We lobbed a torch in the cave and the torch disappeared, so we thought, well, not going in there, that's for sure. A wing comes out and says, come inside, then laughs maniacally. In BECMI, white's level drain is permanent, no saving throw. Oh, a white comes out. Did I say a wing comes out? A white comes out. Okay, so white's do level drain. We tried to leave the cave area, but see a force field that damages us if we touch it. Eventually, it started shrinking down until we were forced into the cave where we fell asleep. In the morning we travel into town with the help of a passing caravan firstly this is a human-centric campaign and all our characters were from another country to his campaign at his behest, turns out that country has its own language almost nobody speaks common and they hate foreigners going about trying to find any information is met with hostility from npcs as they do not speak our language After a while, we suddenly understand everything and can read the books and signs. The GM informed me after the session that we were supposed to look for secret doors in the inn to activate the translation machine. I asked him, would the owner just allow us to look for secret doors in his inn? If I had something to hide, I wouldn't like if people went around touching my walls looking for it. And if he has that machine, why not just activate it for us? The GM blue screened. So now we speak the language, but we still look foreign. So we are supposed to find the tower of a famous wizard. A huge tower that dwarfs other buildings in this city, yet we can't see it. Our magic user uses levitates, and we can't see it. We ask for directions and are given false directions on purpose, so we can't find it. We ask the innkeeper who told us to wait for a guide who shall arrive tomorrow and didn't show up. I don't remember how we found the tower, but eventually we did. The local guards inform us that the tower has a guardian who will ask us a riddle. If we fail to answer the riddle, we will die, as did 20 guards who came knocking who failed to answer the riddle. We arrive at the door, we are asked the riddle, and of course we are reluctant to decide on an answer. We ask for permission to discuss the answer before we give it. Permission granted. While we discuss it, we name a lot of possible answers, but we don't decide on it. Suddenly the GM (laughs) says, oh, you said the answer, that's correct. So our random guesses only counted when they were correct to advance the story, I suppose. We then find the absolutely most powerful wizard to ever exist, so powerful he cannot be killed and can cast any spell at any moment, and can identify magical items just by looking at them. For some reason, this nigh-omnipotent being needs the help of a bunch of level 1s and 2s characters to do (laughs) stuff, but whatever, the story has to continue. We finally make it to the dungeon, which is built into a mountain. The dungeon has levers and buttons and the likes. Each time we interact with anything, it damages us slightly, so naturally we stop, but eventually we find out there is no other way to continue. Each search for a secret door damages us we finally find the big bad boss which does such weird damage if the combined level of the characters hit in hit is equal to a certain number it does x damage and if it's different than its y damage if the combined levels of the characters hit this is like a this is like a Final Fantasy XIV raid mechanic <laughs> Honestly, like, a, like a certain amount of the players have to stock up on here but if it's not the right ones and the right combination it'll like react poorly oh gee whiz dude we eventually defeat it and leave the monolith As we come back to town, we see the same monster fall from the sky and onto the mountain, completely annihilating it on impact. The city is untouched because the GM forgot about shockwaves, but whatever. At that point, we were just glad it was over. (laughs) I'd say this wasn't his worst attempt at GMing, but I didn't want to start off with my best story. The railroading was strong with that one. Hmm. Uh, Edit, I reread this, and I think that reading it does not convey exactly how long each one of those searching for the right thing to do took. We spent hours just trying to find the right NPC or the right places to be. The beginning part with the cave must have taken like 45 minutes before he had us pushed into the cave with the wife. So
0: Miles actually brought up uh, earlier that if you go down, the first comment is actually
1: by someone else from that game. Much more to read, do we want to do it? Might as well, we're already this far in deep. So my analysis so far is that this guy is just doing every type of difficulty very intensely. Like yeah. role play difficulty, combat difficulty, like just semantic, like what we should be doing difficulty. I played. Okay, so, posted by Darth Rancid. I played the magic user in this game and would like to add the following small details. Our group run ran with a playstyle somewhat similar to Dygaxian naturalism. That is, we like the game world to feel believable within itself, even though, even though there's magic and dragons, everyday things should make sense. This nation we found ourselves within. Well, it didn't machine or device that let that let us understand the local language wasn't just hidden behind any secret door it was a secret compartment in a piece of furniture in the inn so trying to find it would be very much come off as trying to rob the innkeeper as hinted by the op (laughs) when informed that this wizard had to find lives in a spec had to find lives in a spectacular tower oh i i had the grammar of this wrong When informed that the wizard we had to find lives in a spectacular tower, the tallest building in the city, we naturally go outside into the street and look around. We are then confirmed that the city has many two- and three-story buildings. These block your view. You can't see much from street level. Well, that's fine. Someone wanted his character to climb onto a rooftop, but the city watch won't let him. And that's when I triumphantly cast Levitate. In BECMI, low-level wizards are basically useless. They become extremely destructive glass cannons later on. But this was at level 3. Still pretty useless. Uh, So, cool to find a use for Levitate. So, I say... Well, I walk around the streets until I find myself alone somewhere, then I pop up to the rooftop level with my levitate, take a quick look around the skyline, and then come down to the ground before the City Watch can go all bows and arrows at me. Guess the response. Did you guess? The City Watch is immediately at you and holds you down. If so, wrong. The real response was, you do not see the tower. So we are looking for a tall, spectacular, and invisible tower. I may have suggested we walk all over the streets feeling with our hands after invisible buildings at this point. I don't remember. Like, OP, I do not remember how we finally found the tower and its guardian that had murdered 20 city guards. About that dungeon, it was largely featureless apart from those levers and buttons. In one room, we find the God of War. He's loitering there since he's locked out of the inner sanctum of the gods. So we help him gain access to it again. Yes, a bunch of level 1 to 3 people help the God of War. So this is a great example of actually, like, making something... A little bit too hard, making everything in the next steps of the progression a little bit too hard to figure out for your players. Mm -hmm. And then not even, like, subtly moving them in the right direction. At some point, he was literally like, oh, you discovered the thing. You said the right... Oh, he said the right answer to the riddle. Mm -hmm. Just be like, oh, in in all of your mutterings amongst yourself, you must have said the right answer. And the thing activates. I mean, I'm not
2: going to lie. I've been tempted to do that at times when when players are arguing about things for way too long um definitely not in any campaigns or anything any of you have been in um but like also holy shit this person like he wants to have his cake of this is a difficult realistic campaign but also it gets bored i guess with the difficulty of it And just, like, gets bored with nobody knowing what to do. So he just moves on.
1: And it does seem to have taken that much frickin' time, too. I don't think he was impatient. I think he just reached the limit of, like, it is just not happening.
0: You guys are not figuring out my very specific puzzle that only I know.
1: This is when you might throw in, like, a, hey, roll insights to get a good idea, maybe. You were
0: supposed to go to the slums and find the girl... Who is handing out flowers. Not the pink flowers, the purple flowers. If you talk to her after dark, before she goes home to cook dinner for her family, then she will tell you the story about how to get to the tower.
1: Only on Tuesday afternoons, though.
0: Sorry, thank yeah. you. Yes.
1: Yeah. So, you but know that- how in, like, ancient Greek mythology they thought, like, inspiration came from gods like sending people messages like for ideas? You could, like... If any of your people are, like, paladins or clerics or warlocks or have some sort of patron god, like, you know, maybe they can pull that out and roll, like, a pretty low, uh, you know, pretty low just, like, insight, uh, check just to, like, use the Professor latent hint coins. Like, what am I supposed to do?
0: I mean, I liked, um, in some games, uh, especially for, um, that are suede-related, especially in East Texas University sometimes it's uh, recommended to let people have like either one extra benny in the middle of the table uh or you, they can use one of theirs uh so oh sorry a benny is a reroll token that all characters start with in the beginning of every session in suede and it's recommended that because etu is so mystery based that you do have one um set in the middle of the table that if they really need a hint of what to do they can spend it on that uh and by the way i think mm. this is less so uh, in book recommendation and more so just like this is what i've seen fans do online but i do like that sometimes sometimes players aren't going to really gather what you're trying to get for them to say and or want them to do and if you're not willing to conform your world to what they're doing you need to find a way to
1: and you can find any sort of way the one thing that was really especially bizarre was like the translation device which is a key it's like a key (laughs) item that you need in the game it was like hidden inside the back of a couch or something so what if at some point after like they're sitting around not understanding what anyone is saying in this inn they can be like uh be like uh but actually you do pick up the faint sound of your own language some sort of mumbling coming from inside the couch I mean, heck, if we want to go hmm. in one extra step, you hear it coming from
0: one of the other rooms as you're passing, um, inspiring them to look into it, and then someone there has these devices or this device and is willing to sell it to them or give it to them or something.
2: Yeah, or maybe have someone, like, pass by the piece of furniture it's in and, like, spill their drink on you. Uh, and in so doing, it causes the machine to, like, spark and sputter, so you get a notification, you get that, like, environmental storytelling that oh there's something hidden in here um but also that is definitely taking from jrpgs i mean fucking (laughs) oh yeah hey let's let's go all around looking for the keystone to get us into the temple of the ancients oh what's that it was hidden in like an extra layer back in gold saucer okay how would we how are we supposed to know that oh we weren't okay
1: (laughs) <laughs> but at least the design of a video game is, like, a little bit conducive to running around the same area trying to find the right thing to click. Yeah. A tabletop game is, like, that's just hours spent being fucking bored, dude. Mm-hmm. It's, that's no good. Yeah. Um.
2: But atap- uh, adapting things from JRPGs into tabletop games brings us to our topic for today, which is Ryutama. Ryutama. A tabletop RPG very, very definitively and explicitly inspired by JRPGs. Um, For both good and bad, I would say.
0: Yeah. Uh, There's definitely some stuff... I've learned a lot by just playing it, even though I think I ran it wrong. But, I mean, still learning if you realize what you did wrong with it. Um... I mean the first thing like when you talk about Ryutama it doesn't have a very specifically set setting but it does have elements of the world that are uh, in the book that are mentioned. Everyone should have a like reason to go traveling Uh, the book is about travel Um, there are DM NPCs that take the place uh, or that take the role of humanoid dragonlings that chronicle the adventures of the players and basically can use their powers to help them Little mascot character. Well, actually, I was doing that a lot different than what it's supposed to be. I'm not supposed to use that character uh, as much as I did. That character should be more on the sidelines and really only show up to be like, "Wow, you guys fucked up a lot. Time for me to heal you."
1: You made don't die. You made this little baby dragon character, sort of like the core plot, and also as a lot of our games tend to go, the group baby that we are all parents to.
2: Everyone has a group baby. Why do we always have a group baby? I mean, with Frostman, you've just left him in the inn, so you're good. To be fair, that's because he was a player character and the player hasn't <laughs> shown up in I know, I know.
1: Yep, nothing you can do. You're always I'm...
0: welcome back at the table next time we hear from you. We hope that your job and everything going on is okay, because we know you have a lot in your life.
2: I, I just I just think it's funny that whenever we eventually get to the epilogue, it's, it's just gonna end with, you know, like, y'all flying away in that illithid spaceship, and Dilbert just, like, talking to someone, and we see through the window behind his back, the ship flying away.
0: I mean, we'll send a message to Dilbert letting him know that he gets the <laughs> inn now. It's his inn. And he becomes an
2: innkeeper. Oh, it's not um, staying as the snowdrop then. It's gonna become, like, the the blood torrent inn.
0: I think if we came back in, like, ten years, it would have three different names.
1: Um, uh, but but the the razor blade tulip.
0: It would become some really bad dad name by the time we get back. It would just be some dad pun name. It would be about polka Uh. Um. But anyway, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, with Ryutama sorry. Um. So like a lot of it is this feel good aesthetic, very JRPG, as I said.
1: Um, but soft, not like. A Final Fantasy, like you have to fight mm-hmm. people. It's kinda you do have to do some fight people, but it's more harvest moonish.
0: The, in a lot of ways. It, mm-hmm. I like that um we talked about or we have this written down that the classes in Ryutama are for the most part less so classes in like uh I'm a warrior, I'm a paladin. They are more so like I'm a farmer, I'm an artisan, I am a nobleman. Yeah, it's
2: people's I'm,
1: jobs actually.
2: I'm I'm a bitch, I'm a lover, I'm a, I'm a <laughs> child, I'm a mother, I'm a sinner, I'm a I'm saint. I'm a midnight toker. I will not be contained.
1: <laughs> oh, you heard oh, it. Oh, sorry, You're restrained.
0: restrained. <laughs> and that's actually one of the elements I like a lot about it. I it's one of those things that I regret that I went as high crazy fantasy with our campaign as I did. Um, but it was my like I felt like I needed to give a big finale, and unfortunately, JRPG big finales in my head are rarely you have a fun adventure traveling, and that's on me.
1: Jay struggled with finding in the writing of this campaign. When do we kill God?
0: <laughs> not wrong.
1: You're supposed to be killing God by now. You're
0: you're not wrong. I uh, my favorite games almost all involve killing God, or finding out you are God, but eh, those are lesser um, in my list of things, but I do really find it charming that, especially for the system, if I was to run it as it should be about people just going off and traveling and experiencing the world, seeing the sights, occasionally getting in fights with things. Um, I love that this is just ordinary people. And I, especially because I, I, sometimes I get a little I don't want to say squiffed out, but when someone's like, I want to play a 13 year old rogue girl or how about a 13 year old wizard girl? Um, Unless you're 13 yourself, I'm usually like a little bit like, why though? Mm -hmm. Um, But this is one of those settings where playing like a kid character or an old character, which you can play an old character in games. I'm less squiffed out about that. Uh, Makes sense too, because it adds a different element to this narrative about experiencing the world.
2: I wonder why you're less. I, I, I wonder why you're less weirded out by people trying to play old characters versus people trying to play young characters.
0: Um, I think it's because my boyfriend oftentimes plays old characters, so I'm used to it. Mm. No, there's no reason. There's no reason at all that I'm I get squiffed out by. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh.
2: But, but. Ganky ganky. Yeah, I. It's, it's an interesting situation with the, like, class setup with it, because partially I do like it, but I'll be honest, I felt really- I mean, this is gonna be- this is gonna be my big complaint with Ryutama overall, often, is I felt very penned in. I- I did not feel like I had a lot of wiggle room for creative freedom. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Like, I played... I, I played an he- artisan character. I played a blacksmith. And... In the process of be- of taking on that role, it was like, okay, you can craft... Your Two of your main class abilities are crafting and repairing one specific type of item. And when looking at it, I genuinely didn't have a good idea of what class of item I would want to do. Because there was so, like... Things were so regimented that, like, okay, if I want to be a, if I if I want to be a blacksmith, I can't, you know, make and repair general goods. It has to be like camping gear or, um, or like, you know, small craft work or something like that. And it it wasn't, I don't know, it it just it didn't quite feel broad enough. But something I do like about it is several of the classes have a little bit of overlap with each other um, where even if you don't say have a um, like if you don't have a hunter or you don't have or or if you, if you don't have a hunter you can still get some of that use out of an artisan character or out of um, I forget what our what our like herbalist naturalist character was what her class was
0: Oh, she, um, healer.
2: Healer, yeah. Like there, there's a little bit of overlap between the classes, and that's that's good. That's useful. Um But I, it also I like that the farmer of...
0: had an ability just called side job. That's just. Yeah, you have to do jobs in your off time. You like you can't be farming every day. You,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you have Nonsense. to get a side. Job. Nonsense.
2: Yeah, you you can't you, you can't be operating a farm every day. I mean, if farming isn't a like isn't an everyday thing that requires quite a lot of effort.
0: <laughs> I think this is more so just talking about... I mean, it did say side job. I mean, think about why kids go to school when they go to school in America. It's yeah. all based off when they were needed help on the farm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. I think Ryutama better suits smaller player groups. Like, three might be ideal, but I think you could even play with two. We had four, which wasn't bad, but... Um, Especially maybe it was also more of the intentionally limited time frame where we wanted to keep it to three to four sessions mm-hmm. that was kind of restraining on that.
0: I think Ryutama is ideal for like mid length games of a couple months. You this isn't gonna be a system that you're gonna spend your the next year on. I think there's only
1: three level ups, right? No, there was oh, no. I was yeah, there's, giving you there's best. a lot. There's uh, a lot of there's three looks. no there's three levels of spells. yeah, uh, yeah there's three mm-hmm. uh,
2: tiers more or less. Yeah. Um, um. Oh, something I wanted to say about classes. At a certain point, you're able to acquire a second class, and you know honestly, Jay, you may have a point about it being better suited to smaller groups, because when we were picking our second class, the vast majority of us had a class that someone else in the group had already. Because there was a there was like just enough overlap that well I want to go with this class instead uh, as my second one, and none of us chose to just double down on our existing class, which is a mechanic that exists, but the benefit for it is so minimal that mm-hmm. it it would really it's like just pretty you know st- uh, not uh, strategically unviable to do so. Like okay, I'm doubling up on being an artisan. Now I get plus one to my class ability rolls. Like,
0: I I can say for sure without like if we got to if we talk about ways to improve it, I would definitely remove those restrictions or a lot of the restrictions on the artisan because it is a cool class idea, and it's it's a shame that
1: like it is as restrictive as it is. Um. I didn't even feel like I used my class that much. I was a minstrel, which is sort of their bard. But. Yeah, we. It didn't have to be a magic type. And come to think of it, I don't really know what the benefits of choosing that class was.
2: I think part of the issue is just we did so little of the, like, day to day stuff because we were Mm -hmm. trying to keep that uh, quick pace that our class abilities didn't get an opportunity to come into play. Um, Again. But. And again, I'll take. I mean.
0: A big chunk of fault for that I also just again think that maybe Ryutama doesn't work uh, For that type of session Although I guess there are So I, I mentioned that there are Ryujin There are four colors of Ryujin that are supposed to Basically dictate what type of plot you wanted I guess you could do like a one shot Of um With the red Ryujin which is all combat based But I don't know Um yeah
2: you know I mean I the combats. The... the combat's another beast That we'll tackle in a bit
1: you could have a thorough three session journey if you specifically make it so that this journey does not have to like go through that much our problem with our game j was that like we wanted to really do something with each of our characters in a small amount of time but in that in that time frame you sort of maybe should just get to learn get to know the characters a little bit mm-hmm. and flesh them out but like not have an arc or like not you know learn anything profound about themselves but also um, because Ryutama is like very structured on seasons you were trying to get us through all four seasons <laughs> in four sessions which mm-hmm. like if you want to try to do that I'd say you have to write it so that it's uh, you know all four seasons exist within like a week or uh, over the course of like maybe 17 miles that you're going to walk down over the course of like a couple days yeah I It just yeah. it's, it's really tough Figure that
0: out. I mean, I think we honestly that would have been one of the things that actually could have worked still. Um, I, m- of course, misjudged how long we were going to spend at the beginning parts of the learning rules because I was expecting us to spend about 20 minutes in the fall area at the beginning, not over an hour. But again, that's on me. Really, really underestimated. Yeah, that is how it happens.
1: Um,
0: uh, but uh, one thing we didn't mention though was that uh, aside from choosing a class, you also choose a type. Uh, mm-hmm. You can choose either an attacker type, which is kind of self-explanatory. It just makes you better at attacking. A magic type that gives you access to magic, which I know Miles will be wanting to discuss in a, in a moment. Oh, boy. And also, um, oh, what's it called? Technical. Uh, technical type. Which makes you better at concentrating, but we'll get to that again later. And That's not I'm... the only thing it does, but... With-
2: yeah, you, you can also gain a secondary type, like you can gain a secondary class, and for some reason I was the only one in our group who picked technical ever. For either primary or secondary. And I picked it for both. <laughs> and you I'm so good at concentrating. I I must be nice. I'll be honest, I think I think technical is probably the most mechanically advantageous of all of the types. Um, because, yeah, there's there's uses of MP in this game. You have MP, um, and one of the uses is concentrate. So if, you, if you're not a character who can do magic, you still have this extra ability where you can spend uh, what's called a fumble point, where uh, if someone crit fails, you all get a fumble point. Or you could spend half of your MP rounded up you get a bonus to a roll and i believe the only role it can apply to is a damage roll but you can spend half your mp or a fumble point to get plus one to it or you can spend both to get plus two to it what a technical type does is it increases that bonus by plus one so you can either spend one of the costs to get plus two or two or both the costs to get plus three um it also gives you um Bonuses to your initiative, which is really useful, and bonuses to your carry weight, which is really useful because carry weight is minimal in this game. Um,
0: Although, I guess if we wanted to, it does have an optional thing where it's like, just don't do carry weight. That's
1: all games.
2: I know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But I think this is
0: one where I probably would do carry weight normally.
2: Um, yeah, it, it feels essential to the game. Like, if you take out carry weight, you're also taking out one of the three abilities that make technical types even worthwhile. Um, but- so, I, I do like the idea that each class can take one of these three types.
0: It, again, I, I guess, you know, I, I, I'm kind of getting lost in my own head. Let me try to gather my thoughts, but Miles, why don't you just do your... I don't want to say deep dive, but why don't you talk about magic? Because I know you have thoughts. I do have thoughts about
2: magic. If you're a magic type user in this game, you get a set number of like essentially ritual spells. And then you get a set number of spells from your season that you're affiliated with. And Mm -hmm. most of the spells in this game cost too much mana or mp or whatever they cost too much mana to be generally useful and their usage their like use case is so limited that we really only used a couple spells we had a party of three magic users and one technical type and we really only used like three of the spells from the list and Our our three magic users were all different seasons,
1: and And that's for the uh, listeners. What's interesting about uh, Ryutama's magic is that it's well, it's based around the four seasons, but it's also like there's not a whole lot of damage dealing things. There's like a lot of weird little functional ones, you know?
2: Yeah, there's there's stuff that like oh you can create a you can create a pile of leaves or you can create um, a small like chunk of ice where you're touching, and it's like some of these things. Are interesting but their use case is so minimal that like you you have a limited number of spells that you can use so you're essentially creating this instance of I am going to allocate one of my few spells that I can do to a thing that I basically won't be able to use for anything other than momentary flavor um, which flavor spells are good don't get me wrong I like flavor spells but I think it's a mistake when flavor spells make up well over half of your spell roster. Um, but I do
0: wonder, and I guess this is be where aesthetic just triumphs or, like, uh, was not able to... I, I, I'm losing how I want to phrase this. I think the way that the spells work, 100% suit the aesthetic they're going for too much. Like, I, I, I can't think of a way that's going to make this sound right. Like... The aesthetic spells, just the mood vibe spells, they are adorable, but maybe there are too many of them, even if they do just make this magic feel like matching the tone. I do wonder to some degree if maybe they didn't want magic to be too overpowered, and that's why it's also like that,
2: but I couldn't say. That's entirely possible because magic is... It, the, you're right, absolutely, about this magic feeling tonally justified and consistent. Like, at the end of the day, this is a very tonally consistent system. And I have to applaud it for that. It's a very tonally consistent system. Um, they knew it what does they were come going with its
0: for. caveats, though. Yeah. Like, um... Because, um, I mean, I still really... Like, we're not through, like, our little list of stuff. But, I mean, I... E- even though there's stuff I would homebrew the f- out of this. But uh you know what i'll I'll get to that later i i like the system overall though that's my spoiler um so the combat is interesting but like a lot of things i think could use some work um Mm -hmm. first of all it uses what is just kind of easily described as a jrpg grid like a classic turn based with your players having a front row and a back row and your enemies also having a front row and a back row Um, people in the front row can only attack people in the enemy's front row until that those are defeated and then they can hit the enemies in the back row um and i like that i think though um uh you also are really limited in what you can do in a turn and to some degree though i wonder if that was a little too limiting there were times definitely i was letting you guys do stuff that you definitely couldn't do in the game because it sounded way more mechanically interesting to me. And, yeah. Um, to be fair, maybe I should have been a little harder on that just to kind of keep the balance right, but, I mean, Ryutama's overall a pretty easy game, it seems like, until uh, uh, until you all have a really bad day. I can't believe we, we went into combat. We didn't even talk about the daily condition checks.
1: Um, oh, yeah, you have to... Every day you wake up and just figure out... You roll to see what side of the bed you woke up on.
0: And if you mm-hmm. do poorly enough... If you do poorly enough on your condition and travel checks, you're at half HP that day. Which, if you're like someone who had 7 HP in our group... Not the best. Yeah. Don't look at me, enemies. I will
1: literally die. I will poop my h- brains.
2: Yeah, it's... It's... It's it's rough. It's, it's really rough. And... I think that is another place where having a longer campaign could have suited us a little bit better, too. Because then Mm -hmm. we could have spent more time, like, building those out and actually, like, thinking about our day instead of just being like, Well, my day sucks today. All right. Let's keep going. Um,
0: Oh, yeah. 100%. If... Not if. I I think when I run Ryutama again someday, I'd want it to be for, like, two months, as I said. um, And just... Take our time. Condition checks aren't supposed to just be a role you do. It's supposed to lead to a story. And we weren't doing that because... The fact of the matter was, we were doing this podcast not just to try out the system, but we were trying to make an entertaining story for a podcast. Mm -hmm. And maybe in my attempt to make an interesting story that felt like a JRPG, I was taking away from the very things that make this system so charming. Um...
2: Yeah, it's it's but, hard to do satisfying downtime for an audio medium, like especially for an audience. Yeah, I mean,
0: I love our downtime in like our Frost Maiden game, but if anyone was to listen to it, I know that they would find that the worst things that we're doing.
2: Uh, with the exception of one of our characters' downtimes, which uh, people who I have uh described it to in a text based uh, text based format have absolutely eaten up.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna be honest. That's not downtime without time. There's just no downtime for that character. It's just all uptime.
2: You know what? That's that's kinda true, yeah. She's all she's always on that grind.
0: <laughs> oh, she's one of those Sigma girls I've heard about recently.
1: Good for her. They've got demon blood. Oh the Sigma girls.
0: But uh going back to uh ryutama's combat it is like i think it being so simple to understand is a big pro of it but when you play as many games as we do having it be simple but also have defined rules can feel like a drawback most of the time because it's not that we necessarily need crunchy combat but i don't know i feel like it's kind of it's it's... go ahead miles
2: sorry um I was just gonna say it's it stops it from feeling as engaging because yes. it, it does a very good job of replicating that, that turn-based JRPG thing because it does just feel like I'm selecting fight target from a menu. Uh, the thing is, you need to find a way to make that engaging and
0: I again, I think that this could work, but it, it would have to be for a very specific game. And have to be a different... I'm going to be honest. Next time I play it, I'm probably going to homebrew the heck out of it. But uh again, though, I think the other key oddity about the battles... Oh, actually, one non-oddity... Well, I guess it's an oddity, but it's actually kind of interesting to me... Is the initiative order is also your defense.
2: Yeah, that's and... something that I, I didn't really get... Like, I feel like we didn't tend to get attacked... Very much Like, we didn't do very much combat, so I still don't have a good feel for whether or not I like that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's... I I hate to say it, but I think I'd like that more. So, initiative is, once again, a static thing you do. Although you can reroll for initiative. That could actually be a thing your character does for their turn, is to try to get a better initiative. Um, But I I think that... um, I'd almost prefer it in a system like uh savage worlds where you draw a card for your initiative each time although that would have to be involve a conversion of a card number to an uh card or like a number against dice and that would be a mess uh don't forget what i'm saying but it, it that's just an example that wouldn't actually work but initiative is defined as how w- uh, ready your character is to act and react in this and it makes sense but that doesn't necessarily mean it's I honestly just don't have an opinion on it yet. It's interesting. But what I do have more of an opinion on is the item system. When you're in a normal battle, you choose five items for your team. And uh, boss battles have ten. But what I mean by choose items is the players are asked to describe items around the battlefield that they could use, in theory, to help them fight. And it's designed to make cool narrative, uh, like, moves. Like oh look there's um uh, a low hanging branch it's like i want to swing from the branch to like give me some lift so i can slam down with my axe it's supposed to give you plus one to your damage or accuracy but i think we have like a few different thoughts about items because i like the idea of them their existence but like a lot of things they are kind of limited in their scope Mm -hmm. and also these ones definitely favor the player a lot because the um, monsters don't get items.
2: Um, yeah. I, I think the the solution that we had sort of talked about and worked up in our game, of you get you get the plus one bonus if you use an item created by someone else, is a good way around that sort of like automatic. Well, I'm just gonna create something that I know I can use, and I'm planning on. Oh using look, it this on way. the f- on, on the floor of this forest, it's a gun. <laughs> yeah. I like how the gun only adds plus one to your roll. And like that's all you need. And and the adjustment too of like okay, well this might not add plus one to the roll, but it'll do something. Maybe it adds plus one to damage. Like the, um, like the instance of us doing the um. Like having that beehive, or the uh, the patch of ice that got covered by the fall leaves spell.
0: Yes, I really like that one, and that's, again. It is just, it feels like the first bits of the rule were written down, and then they didn't elaborate on it. Because there are lots of cool ideas for these items. And I'm not sure how to work in the enemies using them, but I still think that maybe these are still, like, a little too player-focused. And I'm a fan of my players. I want them to succeed. They're okay. But Hmm. uh, some part of me is still just like, I don't know, maybe uh the monsters need something or maybe the balancing is just
2: fine as is and i'm just talking out my butt maybe the monsters um since there is like an intelligence roll essentially um maybe the monsters at the end of at the end of a round if they're unused items the monsters get the opportunity to make like an int plus int roll uh mm. or I guess dex plus int, because dex plus int was perception, for them to notice those things, and then they might use them on their next turn.
0: Yeah, I I like that, actually. And so I'm going to save actually why you might want to pick this over 5e uh, and vice versa, like, for last, actually. Because one thing we've talked a lot about is how a lot of this is a good basis, but it's not compounded enough. And I think we've been kind of doing this as we go. Um... But how would we improve Ryutama? Because, again, I think there's a lot of good a good basis here. It's an adorable game. Um, a lot of the rules, I can't believe. I'm sorry, I have to retroactively go back. One thing I did not discuss yet, and it's... Um, is uh, the fact that for rolling dice in this, um, almost all of your rolls will actually be two dice based off of two different attributes for each uh, skill check.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um And I like that for a lot of things Um, for like athletic type things being based off of like your strength and con um, Like for hard exercise or stuff being based off of like your strength and dexterity. I think that makes a lot of sense Uh, And it kind of helps prevent any stat from truly feeling like a dump stat however the biggest con I have for it is that honestly You need to have a cheat sheet for you there, because when you don't have everything based off one role, you need to have a way to remember this. And a cheat Mm -hmm. sheet's not like a bad thing. Exactly. It's a very minor complaint, but it does build into some uh, some thoughts I have later.
2: Yeah, at least one of us always had the uh, rule book open to the page about skills so that we could quick reference it for other people.
0: And honestly, if I was into character sheet making, I just make a character sheet that has the rolls on it. Um, but I'd also probably add some more rolls because I think that there weren't and and I think there weren't enough skill rolls in there. There was enough for most things, but there were occasions where I'm like, I don't know if make you roll this or something completely different because this is not even mm-hmm. remotely close to what you're asking.
2: Yeah, um, I I think that's that's the core of my answer to what I would change about it is i would just add more like mm-hmm. i would add more onto the classes i would add more onto the types i would add more spells i would add more skills like i would it it feels like it's 70 percent of a game i'd want to add the remaining 30 percent um, yeah
0: I, I i completely agree i i do know that there was an expansion that was never translated But something tells me that that wasn't going to fix a lot of those things i know it actually dealt with like ships and um like vehicles because of all things in your traveling game they don't actually discuss like getting a cart or anything um uh, everything was
2: monstrously expensive
0: it it was i i kind of love that um it and actually this is kind of something i Tom is very interesting with it keeps its aesthetic tone. And uh, I, it, it is so easy in many ways, but then occasionally I'll hit a hiccup because sometimes I'm like, would this be the game I would teach like my 12 year old nephew how to play tabletop games with? In a lot of ways, it has is pretty easy to understand without as many rules as like 5e. I think it actually would help a lot. Um, but then there's stuff like the prohibitively expensive items we spent like over an hour of everyone just buying their initial equipment um and to some degree the dual rules are a little confusing but again a cheat
1: sheet with that just kind of clears it up it if you're starting to, I'm beginning to come around to, if you're starting a game and it's not supposed to be taken that seriously, you're not going to run it that long, and you're not too, especially if it's with an experimental system and you don't really care about uh, keeping it balanced in the same way, I would say just like don't even worry about like people buying their items initially. Just like give them, let them grab like a reasonable amount of things. Be like, all right, you, all right everybody, be reasonable, don't get end game items.
0: Yeah. Nothing mm-hmm.
1: that's worth like twelve thousand gold. No enchanted helms. You know what? are starting an adventure. Be a kind of normal soldier.
0: You know what? I'd actually say. Uh, so one of the things that the game has is that each item has a uh, modifier or a qualifier tag on it, like um, you know, there's normal, there's cute, there's smelly, there's used. Oh yeah. Um, I'd actually probably say uh, like you can get, a little you bit complication is you can get either like you can get, like two normal weapons and like the rest used just of a basic set of gear.
1: Yeah. Um, Tell them they all start off with secondhand equipment. Mm, I mean, I actually kind of like that. You guys are all just uh, people for
0: just going on your first adventure. Yeah. I. But I, I agree. Miles, I, I honestly think I would love to homebrew this to make it so much more like uh, a Final Fantasy JRPG or and honestly, like, I was thinking about, like, okay, well, what if instead of you choosing a magic type, uh, magic is, and the reason I'm addressing you specifically is, what if you could equip something that gives you access to certain magic? And my thoughts weren't where Miles' thought goes to, which is Golden Sun. My thoughts were going to the Magicite system, specifically from Final Fantasy VI, but um, I think there's... To some, each their own. But... Well,
2: so I, I there's a
0: lot I want to just see how that could work with this.
2: My my thought um, process actually went to the thing that we homebrewed up for my character, um which was that like attuning to the different dragons as we went furthered an enchantment on a piece of gear I had. Oh,
0: and I really like that. It, Again, it was I'm, it
2: was a good solution because like we were also trying not to pick the same spells as each other. And that can only get you so far, especially with as limited a spell list as there is. I mean, we we were picking level one spell, like that first tier of spells, frequently, and it was like, okay, there's four of us and three to four of these. All right. Oh, one of these actually augments a base spell that you uh, that you would have as part of your like starting spells. Well, I guess I can't pick that because I'm just a normal person who doesn't have magic. But, again, that was also probably something more based around our our ruling for our system. Or, or for our setting and our campaign, mm-hmm. too. Like, that was just, like, a little bit of friction that we didn't foresee, but... I don't know. I- Part of me wonders if
0: Ryutama could benefit from... Um, Or just, like, an extremely homebrewed version of it could benefit from, like, uh, an action point system like that I know they have in uh, Pathfinder, uh, at least 2E. Um, Yeah. uh, Just where you're able to take... uh, Each uh, action you can take has a point or value, and you can take a certain amount of actions per turn. Just because, again, right now it is specifically one action per turn, and that can help keep things going but also as we said can be pretty limiting and kind of boring sometimes
2: yeah it also means that you can essentially like if someone starts running you basically can't catch them because you can also only move one zone per combat and like I like, we ran into that struggle and I I know we definitely broke the rules to allow us to actually catch someone. <laughs> It was running. Oh, yeah. Again, um, I just...
0: I thought it was cool. So, yeah.
2: Um, an action point system may be useful. I'd also like to see some sort of rule exist. Um, rule slash role exist for altering the targeting of spells. Because mm-hmm. there's so few spells... N- you know what... No, I'm not going to say alter the targeting. I'd like to see trappings added to the spells. I'd like to see something like the suede trappings system to it, uh, which includes things like potentially altering the zone of it for an additional I, I love cost. the power modifiers. For people
0: listening, um, that power modifiers in suede are kind of similar to, like, the metamagic overall for sorcerers. But... Every caster gets access to them, and they basically just add more to your it, it, um, MP or PP, your magic point costing. Yeah, and and I I love just the versatility that adds. Um, I I still think again I think that D and D and Pathfinder have some of the most versatile spell uses out there. Um, though I was talking with my roommate about um. Uh, Mage the Ascension today, uh, and he jokingly said he'd help me create like four characters that could take us a few hours to do, and then I could just run a fun shot of that
1: with the characters already oh, made for you guys. Characters provided. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> because we could go to the Succubus Club. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh, because
0: Magic uh, the Asc- or Mage the Ascension is a World of Darkness game that is all about magic and thus has a lot of uses. Yeah, I've heard some horror stories about uh, his experiences as a chrono mage.
1: Got turned so old accidentally that he blew away in the wind.
0: No. It's more like you break space time.
1: Oh, um, well, that happens too.
2: But
0: I, I
1: I, just, yeah, I'd like to be
2: able to see power modifiers and, uh, and trappings added to Ryutama. Because we ran into so much issue having, you know, a melee fighter and then essentially three mages. Like, one of us was a red mage, kind of, but did a lot more spellcasting because so so many of the, like, status effect spells, like sleep, affect everyone in a particular zone, and that includes your allies. And for some things, that's really useful, but I feel like that is descended from this idea of conceptualizing the combat of okay, well, you know, your melee fighters are going to go in, they're going to hit them, and then they're going to move back to your team's row. But in practice, they go in, they hit, and then they're still there because they're now engaged in combat. And it, it feels like one of those instances where, you know, something was attempted to be translated from JRPG to tabletop RPG, but they didn't think about the difference between those mediums.
0: Mm-hmm. It's either that or we were just playing it wrong
2: I'm actually I mean, not the, sure I, I mean yeah that's entirely possible That's entirely um, possible But like how am but, I going to reach into a different zone with my fists I know I, I mean I I I'd think... also like to see an overhaul Of the unarmed attack system In that which yeah. we, we homebrewed <laughs> But like the fact that if you're if <laughs> The fact that If you are mastered in unarmed combat You're so You're still really bad at it And still can Basically, not do very much damage is annoying, um, for me personally yeah. as as someone who was really enjoying being a being a punch, uh, being being a technical puncher. Oh, and the fact that there's also no hammers in the in the classes for the items like none of the no weapons hammers. none of the weapons have hammers. It's it's bows, short blades, long swords. Uh, and axes, and unarmed. But there's not actually, like, hammer... Were there even spears? Were there pole arms? I think there were pole arms. Oh yeah, I had a pole arm. Okay. I don't... I guess... I mean, I guess you could consider hammers in with axes, but, like, it, it... I guess it was another one of those things that, when I was playing and creating a character... I had that thought of, well, I mean, these aren't the only options, are there? These are just, like, the broad categories, right? Oh, no, these are the items. These are the weapons. There's one of each type, and that's it. Okay. It's, yeah, it's just, it's another one of those instances where I'd want more. Uh, That's it. I've been, I've been the most vocally critical of Ryutama, of the three of us. I would still be interested in trying it again i just want to homebrew it and play it for longer
0: yeah i think that's the thing is that we are all experienced role players and that does occasionally have i think some uh caveats um mainly because i think we're a lot of times we're looking for more than what some things will
1: have our eyes are a lot bigger than our stomachs when it comes to role playing, especially yes. for like just a couple sessions.
0: Um, that stuff. But perfect. I mean, I I think there's so the last thing I have here is just why would you pick this over Five E? And I I so the precursor to all these conversations because you want to play something that's not Five 5E. E. Again, Five E is not perfect and not perfect for every game. Maybe some of the things we said about the lack of uh, choices and whatnot is actually appealing to you because. You don't want complicated combat. You just want to be able to choose your one action per turn, not think about it. You don't want to have to think about oh, what's all these useful spells and what's not useful. I want the list that's going to give me half fluff, half useful spells.
1: Yeah, here's what you have now is two spells, Hmm. and the rest you have to figure. You got to figure everything else out on your own. Um, Why would you want to play this more than D and D? It's one book, and you've (laughs) got all of it. Yeah, It's... it's not as expensive.
2: If you are a person who likes playing games and and you like investing into the travel aspect of games, this does travel so much better than D&D does. This does travel and interaction with your environment to a degree that D&D absolutely does not do. Uh, at least not anymore. Uh, without a good bit of rework. Like, if there was a... I mean, I guess there are ranger analogs. In this game, like, there's the hunter and there's the healer. Um, If you are a ranger or kind of druid analog in this game, you are going to have so much more to do at base rules as written than you are in 5th Mm -hmm. edition D&D. And as a person who likes rangers, you know, that's probably going to be where I, I... If I play this game again, when I probably play this game again... That's where I'm going to lean into. I'm going to lean into those, like, searching and crafting and tracking mechanics and, like, really dial down into being prepared for the world around me. And you know what? I'm probably going to go technical again because I like technical, and I think technical suits the kind of character that I want to play in this game.
0: Miles, I know why you want to play this game over 5e, because you don't want to start at level 1 of 5e but you want to figure out how your characters became who they are so you play this game until you've deduced that okay we're about level 3 characters now let's switch to 5e you know I what? don't know
2: what- playing playing one system and then switching to a different one and using that to inform your levels and everything else is totally viable and it's it's something that I have thought about doing before with a Joint Agon and 5e dnd campaign where mm-hmm. the start was going to be, um, the start was going to be in theory, uh, a like roguelite style fifth edition game, uh, and then once you were to, you know, probably leave the underworld because I was playing a lot of Hades at the time and I was feeling very creatively inspired by it, um. <laughs> once you leave the underworld and start exploring your experiences and the things you've done and the like boons you took with different gods influence your your bonds and your epithets and your 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 character in the agon game that you're now playing once you've broken free of the underworld so yeah honestly maybe maybe doing you know levels 1 through 3 in uh in ryutama and then switching to a fifth edition game might be interesting i might be down to do that actually i mean it, as
0: i like people are always like oh well don't you want to see the beginning of your character's journey it's like yeah but
2: i just don't want to do it in 5e yeah because <laughs> because level one in 5e sucks it's boring basically every character is the exact same at, at, first level and arguably most of them are still the same at second level there's there's a reason most games in 5e start at level 3 and it's because that's when you actually start to be specialized and feel different from one another um, and
0: you know what might be interesting Miles because it, like let's just say you started as an artisan um, and like let's just say a big strong woman who uses a hammer that don't exist in Ryutama yet but would be easy to put <laughs> in realistically um uh, by the time you finish finished with Ryutama, that leaves a lot of options of where you could go with your class, because that's just your background, but you could mm-hmm. go Artificer, you could go Paladin, you could go Warrior,
2: you could go Cleric. I a warrior yeah. when it's fighter. Um And and you oh. know what? If I were to take if I were to take my character from our Ryutama game, this actually might be fun for uh as a just a just an idea for both me and uh Jay, since we had characters in it, if we were to take our characters from the end of our Ryutama fun shot and transition them like next into being DD characters, where would we go with them? And I feel well, like we for... wouldn't go anywhere
1: because she passed away of natural causes.
2: That's true. That's true. She did.
1: Um,
0: well, don't worry. We're in DD now. Resurrection's pretty easy.
1: Hey, everybody. It's Muriel the Revenant. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um,
0: okay, so Muriel, who was a minstrel, a magic-type cl- minstrel, so basically bard, but but Muriel would be um, obviously a cleric or a uh, warlock of the undead.
1: Okay. Just because she was brought back to life. And she's still playing, I'm gonna say this is in the far future, so she is an old lady skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> and she plays the, uh, hell, what was the name of it? The Plinky Plunky Metal Thing. Majumbe?
0: It might have been, I don't remember anymore.
2: Yeah, I don't remember either.
0: And, okay, so let's do Heike. So Heike, um, how would you describe her?
2: Tall, strong, big hair. Knows right <laughs> where to punch. Uh, blacksmith. Um, I would... Honestly, the problem is she fell into the same trap so many of my characters do, where she towards the end of her arc became you know yet another public figure administrator you know community organizer person so i guess she'd become a paladin and if we transitioned (gasps) her into five she'd be a paladin with an unarmed uh with an unarmed fighting style and uh what's her oath I get I mean maybe protection. I don't know because I can never remember the paladin oaths in 5e because I don't tend to play paladins. Hold on. Let me let me look at the oaths for a second.
0: <laughs> I think I think she would be the oath of Can I just visit my girlfriend already?
2: <laughs> Seriously, just let me see her. Um, uh, you know um, what Yeah, maybe Oh, oath of protection doesn't exist. Okay. Uh, maybe oath of heroism. I don't know.
0: Oh, No, that makes sense. Um, even though it sounds weird that uh, heroism, just based on, uh, how humble I guess her origins went.
2: But uh, yeah, so part of why I thought of oath of heroism is. Part of the description outright says, "Oh, never mind. I misread it. I thought it said you are a reluctant hero. It says you are not a reluctant hero. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> maybe oath of the Watchers then. Uh, that would make sense. No. Yeah, I mean, safeguard the mortal realm from otherworldly threats. That's kind of it, I guess. I don't know. You know. You know what? Maybe that's maybe that's a statement that." What we're trying to do, or what we proposed doing with Ryutama, isn't really viable, because you have a character as, like, specifically laid out as Haiki, not really able to, not really able to make that transition. Or maybe I should True. have just made her an Artificer.
0: Or maybe we just try. I tried, even if they were super rushed, tried to give character arcs, so <laughs> you probably wouldn't have your Haiki feels like a quote-unquote finished character
2: so to speak maybe maybe Uh, um but i don't know yeah there's there's reasons to play this instead of 5e and there's you know there's things that both systems can learn from one another um i truthfully i don't love the background system in 5e i think it's just like another box you tick. I don't think it's something that people tend to think about as much. And if it was more along the lines of the job system in Ryutama, then, you know, maybe they'd actually think about it more. Like, yes, in theory, your background gives you proficiencies, and it gives you some sort of benefit, but how often do people really use those benefits? How often does it feel like something that you, like, that defines your character?
0: Yeah, no, I, it's just a little too mechanical in 5e. I mean, even I just am like, okay, what makes sense for my character but going to give me that benefit? Give me that benefit.
1: You just want power.
0: But I think we're going to, like, I, I'm i just saying this, next time we cover a system, we will probably, unless we unanimously hate it, we will probably say almost the same things at the end. Try this system if you want to try something that's not 5e because some things 5e does perf- or well and other things it doesn't. So be prepared for us to say that again and again and again. And hey, thank you for listening to the Shoot in the Sheep podcast. You can also see Miles and Jay if you somehow can see audio forms when you listen to podcasts.
1: What's the other podcast you guys do? It's on our book fair. Yeah. You can find us wherever podcasts are put vended up for free. Uh, we talk about children's books. I have been really bad about updating it. Not children's well, books, like <laughs> you know, teen books, animorphs and shit.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, to be fair, um, trouble updating it. You're you're a busy person, and also, um, we 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 ran into some struggles with our last recording, but we're starting. I a- am
1: busy. I'm precious. We are reading. What are we reading now?
2: We're reading uh, Legendborn, which was um, a Coretta Scott King Award winner last year uh, from 2021. And it's... It it deserves a... It's
1: pretty fucking good. Yeah. And we're... I haven't even started it yet. And we are maybe going to try to record that tomorrow. All right. That's it. Uh, You can find out all of our stuff on uh, mimicsmarket.com, where we have a website.
0: Please uh, like... Review us on iTunes and all the other sites. And honestly, if you've made it this far, thank you. We really, really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, if you haven't already done it, come and check out come and check out the Discord. We're uh we're pretty reasonable people on there and people also... are talking about
1: Pokemon, Final Fantasy, all sorts mm-hmm. of
2: stuff. Pretty soon people are gonna be talking a lot about destiny.
1: Yeah, this frickin' this very next update should be the one where like we actually see what happens with Savathun now.
0: Okay, love everyone, bye bye.
2: But then, of course, you've got people like Tom Hardy, who just answer that by saying, I'm an actor, of course I've had gay sex.